It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. You know, the Bible is a narrative of redemption. It's a living document, and one of the prophecies says that Jesus, the one who was resurrected from the dead, will return and gather his people, his church. Well, Scripture says no one really knows the time or the day that will happen. Verses like Matthew 24, 36 say, but about that Day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Matthew 25, 13 says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Um, those are pretty ominous verses Verses that, that talk about an end to the world that no one can predict. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, all have happened and are happening. So is Jesus' return imminent? Well, the real question, though, is not about wondering when, but being prepared regardless of whether his return is imminent or not. With that in mind, Anne Graham Lott's daughter of evangelist Billy Graham and her daughter have written a devotional to help people prepare for what's ahead. And the book is called Preparing to Meet Jesus, a 21-day challenge to move from salvation to transformation. And Anne and her daughter, Rachel Ruth Lott's Wright, join me now. Welcome to you both. Lauren, thank, thank you. you. It's yeah. always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Well, it's always inspirational to talk with you as well. And it's been a while, and I apologize for that. Um, but, you know, I, I want to know why write the book now? I mean, you you are head and the founder of Angel Ministries, and you know the scripture back and forth. Um, and And why write this book now? You know, you led in with several scriptures that were just terrific. And Jesus said that you can't know the day or the hour, but he never said you couldn't know the generation. Mm-hmm. And he gave us signs that he said um, things that have always taken place, like earthquakes, wars, famines. But he said in that last generation, it will ratchet up so that these um, events will increase in frequency and then they'll increase in intensity. One after another will be record breaking. And, you know, a hundred year flood will be then come in 10 years and come in one year. And then last week we had, you know, it's like mm-hmm. it just increases in intensity. And so I look at the signs, one of which also, Lauren, is that the gospel would be preached to the whole world. And then the end would come, Jesus said. And right now the gospel is being preached in the whole world. Um, you know, you can get it, if not in your first language, in your second or third language, if not printed, you can get it in a, a live presentation or on the internet, ham radio. Um, you know, it's so, um, so the signs have been fulfilled or are being fulfilled that indicate he could come at any moment. But also, my, our point in this book is that not only will we meet Jesus um, when he comes uh, at what we call the rapture, when he returns to, to take us home, but you can meet him in your death. You know, mm-hmm. so um, so um, death is when your faith becomes sight and. So you may not know, we, we not don't know the, the day or the hour when he returns. We also don't necessarily know the day or the hour of our death. And the important thing, at that moment, you can't get ready. You have to be ready. And so um, 
Rachel and I both have life-threatening experiences that have brought this sort of front and center to our attention. And um, and I'll let Rachel pick it up from there if you like, because yeah. she's she's had a um, rough year and a half. So do you mm-hmm. want to share that? And- yeah, yeah. Uh, what? Tell us about that, Rachel. Well, a year and a half ago, I went in for a routine stress test um, for my heart just to check and make sure everything was good. And and long story short, the the appointment was a disaster and um, it didn't go well at the end of it. And then I passed out three times and they just kind of were like, OK, you can leave now and not check it on me or anything. And so I walked out with chest pain and I thought, well, I must have pulled my chest muscles or something in. Four days later, I, you know, it hurt for four days, and I thought maybe it's acid reflux or mm. something. Uh, fourth day, I was at a Carolina basketball game on the front row, and I was like, this isn't good. This has to be oh my, my heart. Gosh. And so I got home and anyhow ended up going by ambulance to the hospital. And when I got there, they said, you are having a heart attack. And What? Um, and, yeah. And so. You look uh, like you're, you know, 25. <laughs> Well, what what this kind is, it's this rare kind that happens to women mostly in their 30s and 40s called SCAD, spontaneous coronary artery dissection. And it's through a stressful, you know, exercise event or a stressful situation or something like that. And um, and and your artery on the inside of your heart just shreds on the inside of the artery. And so I had no cholesterol problems or anything like that. And um. So that was that day. Then the next day I had another heart attack. Mom and my sister were in the room in the hospital. And and that one I almost died from. I was I was going. I lost all feeling in my body. And I my last prayer was, Lord, just take care of my girls. And, oh, no. and then I felt what I know had to have been the hand of God because it moved across my heart. And all of a sudden, all the blood came back and they rushed me off and they had to put huge stents from the top of my heart and the bottom of my heart in my heart. So anyhow, I survived it, but but I I could have seen Jesus right then. And so that's where this burden, this huge burden for this book came um, to, are we prepared to meet Jesus? You know, it could be because of crazy heart attacks you weren't expecting or cancer or a car wreck or something horrible. Not that I want any of that to happen to anybody, but, but we just don't know. And it could be that we will be raptured soon, which we believe that is coming soon. But, but how can we prepare our hearts to see Jesus? I mean, I almost saw him, you know, and how right. can we be prepared for that. And um, so hopefully this book gives us some help with that. And Lauren, the, the neat thing is that she sat down on the couch while she was recuperating. And that's when she wrote this book yeah. and we wrote it together, but she, she went through the story of, um, Rebecca, so Abraham sending a servant to find um, Brad for his son, and she went through and pulled out 21 characteristics of Rebecca that I've read that story, I've taught that story, I've studied that story, I never would have come up with these characteristics, but they're incredible, and they're ones that God the Father is looking for in the bride that he he wants for his son, Jesus. It's so, very interesting because, you know, I've read, you know, the story of Abraham and Rebecca and Isaac and all of those, and how did, how did you come to equate Abraham looking for a bride for his son, Isaac, to the qualities of those who would be followers of Christ? How did, how did you kind of make that parallel? Well, it's so neat because I was teaching Genesis in my online Bible study, and I just taught Genesis 24. 
And so it was on my mind. And, um, and I guess it just all, it just makes sense when you think of Abraham being like God, the father, you know, asking mm-hmm. a servant, the Holy Spirit to find a bride for his son, Jesus. And I tell you what, it is crazy how the whole story kind of unfolds when you look at it from that perspective and, and how Rebecca, um, without even knowing the servant was watching her and, um, seeing these characteristics and, um, in the first day, um, the first characteristic that I talk about on day one in this book, this 21 day challenge is it's just in the family. Are you in the family? And Abraham, when he tells his servant, I want you to go find a bride for Isaac and don't go to the Canaanites. They don't believe in God. They're not the kind of people that I want, you know, marrying Isaac. And so go, he said, I want you to go to my family, which is like 450 miles away. And he said, make sure you go to my family. And so right there, the one characteristic when Jesus comes back to rapture his church, he's not looking to see how many times you went to church, <laughs> how many times you helped somebody across the street or did something kind. He's looking for who is in his family, who placed their faith in Jesus. And by doing that and me saying that means that you believe that Jesus died on the cross to take away your sins and you acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and come live inside you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And then you live your life for him. And that makes you in the family. I think people try to complicate it and say it's about good works or this or that, but it's it's only through the blood of Jesus. So, you know, one of the, you know, you talk about, um, you know, looking for the bride. I think probably back up a little bit because I think a lot of people don't understand what the term is bride of Christ. Yeah. Um, they have, they don't understand what it actually means. So, so, and to tell us what it actually means being the bride of Christ. You know, I think it's, um, could even be off putting if you have male listeners (laughs) (laughs) themselves as a bride, you know, but the new Testament in Ephesians it describes um, our relationship with Jesus like that. And it says that uh, he, he's the bridegroom, we are the bride of Christ. And it, uh, I think it's underscoring that our relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is a love relationship. It's not just an arranged marriage. And um, and the last uh, challenge that Ray Truth gives is so sweet because after Abraham's servant finds Rebecca and and Rebecca agrees to go, and then she travels, you know, 450 miles back on a camel to meet Isaac. <laughs> and, um, and then Rachel goes through the details of all that. But then Isaac took her into his mother's tent and said, um, and, and he loved her. And and so um, it's the sweetest thing that I think there's nothing quite that underscores a love relationship like um, being a, a bride, between bride and bridegroom. And I know there are many people out there who married and it's been a disaster and it's not been what you you know thought it would be but you can imagine mm-hmm. what a wonderful relationship would be with someone who loved you that put your own needs before his or hers and um lived sacrificially and loved unconditionally and loved permanently <laughs> and and so that's the relationship that when as Rachel said you you put your faith in Jesus and you tell him you're sorry for all the wrong things you've done and you ask him to forgive you and claim him as your savior, receive the eternal life that he offers. And eternal life is not just going to heaven when you die, although I'm very thankful that, that that's true, but, um, but also is that personal, permanent love relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that's established 
when you put your faith in Jesus as your Savior and you invite him to come into your heart as your Lord. And then you follow him every day for the rest of your life, follow him all the way to heaven. And so to, to be the bride of Christ is a love relationship that um, he He gave his life to offer you. So it, it didn't come cheap. You know, it's, right. it costs him everything. So the and, bride is the church. The bride is the church. And we yeah, are the church, the church people. Yeah. Not like the church, you know, on Fifth Avenue. Not the <laughs> church, like, you know, not the organized church. It's the church is you and me and Rachel Ruth and those who have who are family members. And then all together corporately we're described as the church or the bride of Christ or the body of Christ. So it's um, it's an organic unity. It's not organizational. <laughs> well, you really did some research. I remember the book on Abraham you did. You really kind of delved into Abraham. But this story with Abraham is is really an Isaac story. Um, but it, what surprised you about this story? I mean, like I said, a lot of people have read it. I've read it. Um, but when you really look deep into these stories, you have to, you see something that you really hadn't seen before. What, what surprised you about the story of, of, of in, in Genesis 24? Well, I'll answer that. I think um, there are so many things because Scripture, when you read it, you can be blessed just by reading it. But when you actually stop to dig deep and actually think about drawing lessons from different passages— um, it can make it come alive, you know, and, and it applies to us. I mean, here this was written so many thousands of years ago, and it is so relevant today. And so when the servant was sitting back, you know, watching who's walking out and, and everything like that, he prayed. He was at the well. He was at a well when he finally got to where Abraham was from. And he prayed and he said, Lord, please let one of these girls walking out to the well, when she comes, when I when I come up to her and ask her for water, let her give me water, but also offer to water all my camels. And so, so he's just watching her. And when he asked her, Hey, you know, may I please have some water? And she said, yes. And I'd love to water your camels. And right there off the bat, she could have been like, here's some water. And you know, you can go get water over there. Mm. There's plenty, take as much as you want. And that would have been fine. She would have been okay with that, but she went the extra mile without even being asked without being pushed or or thinking she was going to get a reward from it. And so I think when you look at these characteristics of Rebecca, when she didn't know that this guy was searching for a, basically somebody to become the wife of a prince, um, she was doing it out of her heart, you know, out of her devotion to the Lord. And, and I think um, we as believers need to think that way, that we don't do things to impress somebody. We don't do things to get something out of a situation. We just need to be kind. We need to be humble. We need to be authentic. All these things we talk about in the book, but um, in on an everyday level, every, everybody that we deal with throughout the day so that they look at us and see something different, just like this servant saw something different in Rebecca. No, it's in, whenever um, people talk about end times, people get like a, a lot of they kind of roll their eyes. It's oh no no. Who, what do you say to people who kind of poo-poo end times talk? Um, you know, because I, I get that a lot from people. You know, I think um, probably the closer we get, the more you're going to get that. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, Peter said, you know, that in the last days there'll be scoffers and they'll say, "You've been saying that for years, and he hasn't come yet." You know, what makes you think he's coming now? And so, um, but. 
So we can't convince people. I think we just want to live our lives so that we're ready whenever that moment comes. And um, and Jesus tells us through his disciples again and again, don't be deceived. You know, that we're, we're not to be deceived by the naysayers. We're not to be deceived by people who say things are going to get better. We're not to be deceived by people who say that this actually isn't true, that that's a fairy tale or whatever. Don't be deceived. We live our lives by the word of God. And, and Jesus said his word is true. Not one jot or tittle, that means not one punctuation mark even, will pass away until every single part of it is fulfilled. And Jesus said he's coming. I, I love John 14, 1 to 3, when he said, uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house, speaking of heaven, there's many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, that where I am, you may be also. And the last thing, at his ascension, when he went back to heaven, the two men in white came to the disciples on the Mount of Olives, and they said, why are you staring off into space? This same Jesus who went up into heaven is going to come back exactly the way he went up, meaning in his man's physical body, through the clouds of glory, he'll stand on the Mount of Olives. And um, and I believe that. And I believe that, Lauren, because that's what the Bible says. And some of it may sound like science fiction to you. Some of it may say, <laughs> you know, sound like it's um, sort of a hopeful, wishful thinking, but I don't base what I believe mm-hmm. on hopes and wishes and feelings. I base my faith on God's word. And I believe it's absolutely true uh, Genesis to Revelation and all the way through scripture, by the way, it's not just the New Testament, all the way through scripture, it uh, prophesies that there will come, uh, the Messiah will come. And I believe Jesus is the Messiah. And I believe um, his second coming will be what many people are looking for, uh, or we're looking for in his first coming, because he'll come back as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, he'll rule the world. But, um, but before then, as you know, if you're his bride, if you're in his family, then then the Bible clearly says that he will come to take his followers, his bride, up to be with him even before he comes back to stand on the Mount of Olives. So, um, so once again, I just want to reiterate: it's important to be ready. And um, and can I just say this too that. Uh, Rachel Ruth, just her oldest daughter, just got married um, a couple of months ago. Wait, wait your oldest daughter got married? Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah. <laughs> and she married a military guy, and we had the wedding in our in my backyard. And so we were sitting there and have the joy of seeing her come out on her father's arm and walk down and see the look on his face as he sees his bride. That first look, you know, is so precious, and the. And beforehand, when she was getting ready uh, to see her excitement over her dress mm-hmm. and her excitement over the things that we had prepared in the backyard, she loves palm trees, and I lined everything with palm trees, fairy <laughs> lights on them, and you know. And so, so the journey to see Jesus is a joy. It's filled with anticipation, um, expectation. It's not um, you're not getting ready because you have to. You know, it's like a bride getting ready for that most wonderful day of her life, and it's exciting, and it's um, it's thrilling. And you know, uh, at the end of that long aisle, <laughs> which is a lifetime, you know, you're going to be seeing the one who loved you, who gave himself for you, who's absolutely devoted to you, um, uh, who's cared for you when you didn't even know it, you weren't even aware of it so much. But uh, and he's preparing a place for you, so preparing a home in which you'll live with him forever and ever. So the the anticipation 
the expectation is um one of the joys of my life so oh. if other people don't go along with it that's their you know <laughs> That's their choice. But for, for me, I know because of what the Bible says. Well, I want to take a, a little break here on Lighthouse Faith Podcast, and we'll be right back with um, Anne Graham Watts and her daughter, Rachel Ruth. We'll be right back. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. And we are back on Lighthouse Faith Podcast with Anne Graham Lotz uh, and her daughter, Rachel Ruth, and their uh, their book, Preparing for preparing to Meet Jesus. But I want to talk about just what's going on in your life, um, Anne and Rachel, but particularly Anne. I know that you know, you've gone through a couple of really uh, hard times. Uh, you lost your husband. Um, and, of course, we all know that your father and mother are, are now with Jesus um, how is life for you now in that sort of spotlight where the people who really had kind of framed your life are no longer there? You know, Lauren, that's um, it's an insightful question, I think, because when you lose people that are close to you, that you love, that I have shaped your life, you know, parents. And then I married at 18. My husband was 11 years older than me, but he helped to shape my life, too. You know, yeah. I lived with him more than I lived with my mother and daddy. And um and so when they step away, when they go a step into eternity and they're no longer here, the the one constant is the presence of God. So, um, you know, my last book was Jesus in Me, or the one I did by myself, mm-hmm. and just describing the Holy Spirit, who is Jesus in me, and what it means to experience Him in a, um, a relationship daily. And if it hadn't been for him, um, I don't think I could have made it through the last eight years. Eight years ago, my husband went to heaven. Um, excuse me. Yes, eight years ago. And then five years ago, my father went to heaven. And uh, right after he went, six months later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and went through, um, you know, chemo and mm-hmm. radiation and all that stuff. And then then you deal with all the consequences of that because the, the medications there, you know, I feel like they've helped me put cancer behind me but they also cause their own issues right so um but god has been faithful um and i I would just have to give a shout out to rachel ruth and her sister mara who went with me to every chemo appointment when i had chemo they came and slept in the bed with me just to make sure i didn't have you know any severe reactions during the night Mm -hmm. and um and then during radiation was every day for a month um and but but God was with me. And um, so I look at the world today and maybe, you know, somebody listening hasn't uh, wrestled with cancer or the death of a loved one. But just the headlines in our news are very off putting and can create a lot of fear and anxiety. And and the reason we can have peace in the midst of such chaos and the reason we can have joy when our circumstances are crashing and when our bank accounts aren't sufficient to take care of our monthly needs and um when we can have you know experience love when we're, we're abandoned by those who are closest to us that all of that is um possible through the indwelling of the holy spirit and um and the fact that god uh, we have a relationship with him that is a love relationship, and it's also eternal in that when when I die, if the worst happened and and I dropped dead, you know, from one of my health issues or in some sort of a violent whatever, then 
it doesn't matter because at that moment, my faith becomes sight. And I close my eyes to this life, I open them to the face of Jesus. And so for all those people out there who, um, you know, just life is not working for you. And Mm -hmm. um, then I just encourage the person to to turn to Jesus, just cry out and say, God, help me. And I want to know you. I want to be in your family. I want to have a right relationship with you. I want to know that I have a future in heaven. And um, so, um, in fact, I was just reading this morning, and I, I think it was, sorry, on your network, but <laughs> the, the veteran that, um, you know, 12 times he tried to commit suicide because he just was so hopeless. He'd lost his legs. His, I can't even describe all the he was um, ran over an IUD, whatever those things are, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. in Afghanistan, and tried to commit suicide 12 times. And finally, he said he realized he just could not live life on his own. He needed someone bigger than him. And he turned to God. And now yeah. it's just amazing what he's doing with his life and the blessing he's being to so many other people. And and I know there are many people out there listening. Our lives aren't as shattered as um, his has been. But the same God that's pulled him through can pull us through whatever we're going through. What What is your greatest concern about the world today? I mean, the, I know there are wars and all of that, but there's a there's 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 something in the world. There's an evil in the world that that sends. I think seems to be growing. What What is your greatest concern about this world today? Well. Um, Simply put, this world is not ready to meet Jesus. <laughs> hmm. uh, because I think our world and what you've described, I completely concur. It's it's getting dark and oppressive and evil. And maybe the thing that disturbs me the most is um, the sex trafficking hmm. and abuse of innocent children, the um, physical mutilation or some sort of almost like a fad. And um, I just, it's our abandonment of the truth. And when you abandon the truth and you abandon God, then then you get what we get. You know, our, our, our world is absolutely disintegrating because we have no foundation, no, um, and I believe God's backed away and turning us over to our own devices. And, and actually I think Lauren, and this is a whole other subject, but it's a setup for that last one world order. And the Bible says that uh, for seven years before Jesus comes back um, physically to the Mount of Olives, there would be a seven-year period when there is a one-world economy, one-world government, one-world health organization, one-world, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, But it's instead of being everybody's dream come true, it actually turns out to be hell on earth. And um, so I guess my greatest, I, I believe we're, what we're seeing in our world is that one world order, uh, God preparing the world in that way. And the world doesn't know it, so they have no idea that they're just falling right in line with what God is doing. <laughs> but but God is in control, and he's the one that puts leaders up and puts them down and arranges all of this. So when we look past our headlines, we see a very sovereign God, um, I believe, preparing for his son to return and putting things in place for that. So my, my greatest concern for the world is that um, the world needs to be ready to meet Jesus. So that that would be my burden, as you would know. But but just to tell people there is a God who loves them, who sent his own son to die on the cross to take away their sin and, and 
offer forgiveness for all the wrong things they've ever done. And if they would put faith in him, they would not perish. They would not go to hell. And there is a hell, you know, but they would not go to hell, but they would have everlasting life, which is a personal love relationship with God right now and heaven when you die. And that that's the offer. It's, it's really, how can you refuse it? <laughs> well, you know, just, there are things happening in this world because as a news person, I, yeah. I'm looking at a lot of these stories. There is a... Finnish member of parliament that is under a trial for her biblical belief about marriage and sex and gender. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is another legal situation for the uh, Yakima gospel mission out in Washington where um, they are fighting to maintain their Christian identity and saying that they should have the right to hire people. Christians, uh, people who adhere to their faith. Um, and that's being, I mean, the government is coming down on people of faith. I mean, this is this is almost unheard of years ago. But the governments of not just, you know, countries outside, but American con- American governments coming down on religious people. What are your thoughts about that? Well, well that's the setup. Because those that seven-year period before Jesus comes back, it's called the tribulation or the great tribulation, and and it's very anti-God. It's it's all geared uh, for rebellion against God, and we've seen it, Lauren, for years. Uh, I'm going to be very politically incorrect, but evolution, in a sense, started a lot of things because. Evolution says that God did not create us, that we're like a cosmic accident, Mm -hmm. and that our lives have no real meaning or purpose. We came from nowhere, we're going nowhere, and and right there, that's a, a defiance of what the Bible says, that God created everything. He also created man in his image for uh, that personal relationship uh, to enjoy God and to um, know Him in a personal relationship, and and so evolution did. And then they they deny, um, you know, what God instituted as marriage between one man and one woman, and then they defy even the gender. That uh, you know, you can feminize a man, you can masculinize a woman, but you can't change genders. But you wouldn't know that listening to all the hype out there, and. And so all of that is a it's a defiance of God. So so you're exactly right. We're we're looking at a world that is increasingly become defiant of the one true living God, and um, and the result, of course, is going to be uh, what the Bible calls tribulation. It will be a time of suffering on earth such as the earth has never known. If for for the initial period um, of that seven year period, it would look like there's peace and um but there'll be enormous persecution against Christians and against Jews and so we can see that building now and um but the the positive thing is that i believe you know the rapture what we call the rapture when Jesus comes back to take his followers and his bride home to be with him that takes place before that seven year period and um so i just want to be ready and i want to to live my life on that sharp edge of commitment that's um he wouldn't catch me sleeping. He said, told his disciples, you know, you have to watch. And um, I ended the book, Preparing to Meet Jesus, on Matthew 25, when there were a parable of 10 young women, five of whom were ready for the bridegroom, five of whom were not. And the five who were ready were welcomed by him into the wedding feast. The five who were not ready were um, shut out. And uh, so I just, I just want as many people to come in, 
you know, to be ready for that moment when they see Jesus and to have the joy of preparing for that moment and helping other people prepare. And so in this crazy meltdown world, one of the joys that I have is telling people, whether it's somebody serving me at a restaurant or somebody on the phone or somebody in email or, you know, blogs or whatever, just uh, or through this book, of course, mm-hmm. and just telling people that there's such joy in the journey. And to have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus is... Um, it's the core of our lives, <laughs> and it's wonderful. Like a smile on our face and gives us purpose and meaning. And so, in the middle middle of the craziness, I want to keep my focus on what God's called me to do. Just help other people get ready. Well, before we go, I know there was like you have like four things we can do to be ready for His coming. And Rachel, why don't you take that over and since you know at the end of the book you talk about this, um, but, but what are the four things we can do to um, to be ready? So that is what mom wrote then. <laughs> oh, she wrote that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Lauren, help me. I, can't <laughs> I, I know we need to be, we need to be ready, make sure that we belong to him. I know that we need to be growing in our faith. I know we need to share our faith with others. Mm-hmm. And uh, so help me with that. Well, I think there's, there can be those four things, but then all these characteristics that we talk about in this book, this, these 21 characteristics are things that we should all be doing. And, and if I can just add, if people are out there and they don't know the Lord, but they see everything that's happening around our world right now, and they think, what in the world, another earthquake, and then there's floods over here, and then why are all these fires happening, and tornadoes, and typhoon, and all this stuff, and and then they probably know 50 people that have cancer or heart attacks or some crazy illness. And then they see this stuff that's happening in our schools. And it could be very terrifying to people who don't know what's happening. And I know mom's kind of touched on this, but Matthew 24 even describes like we knew believers knew this would happen. It's God. Jesus laid it out for us in Matthew 24 that we could expect to see these things right before he returns. And so is it worth the risk to just be like, y'all are crazy? What are they talking about? You know, <laughs> is it a rapture? Are you kidding? Is that worth the risk to just think, I'm not going to listen to what they say? Or do you want to search for it yourself? And I would challenge you, you can get this book because it lays it out very clearly. Open your Bible and begin to read it and see and ask the Lord, say, if you're real, I want you to reveal yourself to me through reading the book of John or something and watch what the Lord does because time is too short to waste in all of our all of our frivolities when we see the world melting down we know everybody knows that something's going down something's getting ready to happen and and we're telling you a way to get ready and um and not be left behind and not be confused at what's happening amen amen well i want to thank the book is called uh, preparing to meet jesus a 21 day challenge to move from salvation to transformation and graham lots and also her daughter, Rachel Ruth Lotz Wright. Thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. This has been obviously inspirational and instructional. Thank you, Lauren. It's always a blessing to talk to you. Appreciate your friendship and also what you're doing as far as getting the word out. And thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day.
Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Amazon Prime members can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music app or... From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.